Well, good evening. I have one question. How can you freeze out here? That just beyond my mind. <laughs> it's nice and warm out here now. If you said that in Alberta, I'd say, oh yeah, okay, I get it, you know. <laughs> now, if you ever, have you ever been to Chill Out? Oh, you've got to take your young people to Chill Out. You will chill out, I guarantee you. We had years where there was no heat, and oh man, it was interesting. You know, uh, the Lord wants to use us, amen? amen. And uh, Cameron, I'm thrilled that uh, you're putting yourself in a place of availability for the Lord to use. Amen. And that is, uh, that's exciting. Tonight I want to preach a message, uh, could God use you? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> when I got saved, I was 23 years old. And I really didn't know anything about the Lord. I didn't know anything about church. I didn't know anything about God. And then I surrendered to the ministry in a missions conference in uh, 1986. Now that kind of dates me just slightly. But the pastor said at that time, is there any reason why you couldn't be a missionary? And I couldn't think of one. I couldn't think of a reason why I couldn't be a missionary. I was single then, so I couldn't have said, well, I'm married. Uh, I have kids. I couldn't think of a reason why I couldn't be a missionary. And at the same time, I thought, how could you use me? Who am I? You know, I don't have any talents. I don't have any skills. I don't have any abilities. Who am I that you could actually use me in the ministry? And I, I didn't really understand much. But God did use me. And my life verse, and I'm not going to preach out of that. I'm going to go to Philippians 1.6. But my life verse became... Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And I still, to this day, I don't fully understand that verse. <laughs> I don't fully grasp the whole power of that verse. But I know that God can use me. And again, I'm nobody special. I'm just flesh and dust, just like any man. But I believe that God can use me. And Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the moment, from the moment we get saved, God starts that good work in us. Amen? He places the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts, in our lives, in our body. And He begins to conform us to the image of Christ. He has begun that good work in us the moment we get saved. And He promises that He's going to continue to do a work in us until the day of Jesus Christ, until we hear that trumpet. Amen? 
uh, until we, the day that we meet him, he is going to continue to conform us. And he's going to bring things into our life, people into our life, uh, problems into our life, trials into our life, victories into our life. Uh, he's going to bring so many things into our life to continue that good work in us. My question for you tonight is, could God use you? Could God use you? Let's pray and then let me give you a few thoughts and we'll be done. Father, thank you that uh, you use the foolish things of this world, the weak things of this world. You don't use the wise or the wisest or the best looking or the most talented. You do use them, but you use anyone who wants to be used by you. And Lord, the challenge tonight is, I guess, pretty simple. God can use anyone. And Lord, help us to be that anyone. Help us to realize that God can use us. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you work in our hearts and lives. And I pray that you just continue to do that good work tonight. Use this message as a challenge for all of us. And Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you that you began that good work. That day of salvation. And we pray in your name. Amen. You know, I was telling Pastor Klein and and, uh, Rick, what happened, uh, how I became a pastor of Vision Baptist Church. Uh, I, my wife and I got married in 1990 in September and we went over to Leduc, Alberta and we were helping uh, Jim and Melissa Rowe plant this church, Vision Baptist Church. And that was in 1990. And, and then uh, in 1995 he packed up his uh, U-Haul, and he moved back down to Ohio because God had called him to another country. I can't mention it because we're live, uh, but it is paradise. We use that word. It's uh, a wonderful country. And uh, he said, here, here you go. And I became the pastor of Vision Baptist Church. And for two years... I didn't submit to that call. I did not surrender. I didn't want to be there. And I pray, Lord, help there to be no visitors. (laughs) I just was kicking against the pricks, if you will. I didn't want to be there because I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think God could use me. And I had so many excuses And we can give God so many excuses for not being used. Sometimes we say, yeah, God, you could use me if I were smarter than I am. Yeah, you could use me if I had more money, if I had more time, if I had a different upbringing. Lord, you know I I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I don't know much about God. I don't know much about the Bible. How could you use me? If I had a better education, maybe you could use me, Lord. If I I didn't have a criminal record, if my family 
weren't so against me, you could use me. If I didn't have these health problems, God, maybe you could use me if I didn't have these health problems. Lord, maybe if I had more faith. <laughs> the disciples said, Lord, increase my faith. Amen. <laughs> maybe if I had different parents. Maybe if I wasn't abused. Maybe if I wasn't afraid of people. Maybe if all these things weren't true in my life, maybe God, you could use me. And sometimes we put up all these excuses as to why God cannot use me. Well, I'm only 12 years old. I'm only 15 years old. Two teenagers tonight. Sometimes we say, I'm only a teen. How could you use me? Lord, how could you use me? I messed up here in my life. And we throw these roadblocks in front of God to say, you can't use me. There's no way you can use me. Look at how I've messed my life up. But God can use you. God can use you. Think about Abraham. He came from a heathen nation, yet God said, you're going to be a father of many nations. You're going to be the father of my chosen people. Think about Sarah. She was well past child-bearing years. Amen? You know, there is no hope, God. You cannot give me a child. <laughs> what did God do in Sarah's life? Gave her a child. My wife is saying, oh please, no more children. Amen. <laughs> God used Noah to build an ark, yet he'd never seen rain. God said, it's going to rain. What? What's rain? Yet, God used Noah. God used David to be a king of a great nation, yet he was the youngest of his family, and he was a shepherd boy, and he became a king. God used Joseph to save the world from famine, and he was a slave. Yet God used Joseph. God used Moses to deliver a nation out of slavery. Moses was a murderer. He was a murderer and yet God used Moses. Not only that, when you read the story of Moses, he says, Lord, but, 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 but I stammer. I, I'm this, I'm that. He used five excuses. And yet God used Moses. Moses had a poor self-image, yet God used Moses. <laughs> God used Rahab to hide the spies and save her family, and she was a harlot. God used Ruth to be an encouragement to her mother-in-law, to be a testimony to the children of Israel, and she was one of the despised. She was a Moabite. Yet God used her. She is in the lineage of our Lord. Amen? Amazing. God used Gideon to deliver Israel out of bondage to the Midianites and he was fearful. You, you think about a person who was fearful. Gideon was fearful. Lord, give me a sign. 
You always wanted a sign. Give me a sign. Let the fleece be wet. Let it be dry. And always a sign. He was fearful, man. Yeah, God used them. Here's an amazing thought. God used Amos to preach to a disobedient people and he was a farmer. I tease our folks a lot because there was a lot of farmers in our church and I was a city boy. <laughs> I preached a message one time and I digress. David and Goliath. I said, there was this guy. He was massive. He was nine foot tall, strong as a bull. He was a farmer. Then there was this little scrawny little runt. He was a city boy. And their faces got wide. Amen. <laughs> God used Esther to save a nation from genocide. Now think about this one. And all she had was her good looks. Think about it. Why did the king choose Esther? Why did she come into that harem, if you will? Because she was pretty. Now her character came out, amen? God used Peter to be one of the founders of the church, open up the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles. He was a mess. You ever done a character sketch on Peter? He was a mess, Peter. <laughs> he was not one of the heroes of the faith at the beginning, if you will. God used Paul to start many churches and he was a murderer. God can use you. Look at the people he used in Scripture. Amen? God can use you. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 1. I want to read a little bit of a lengthy passage, uh, but I want you to get this story. And we're going to look at a little maid very briefly here. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the hosts of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one, one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I a god to kill and make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so. When Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes 
that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought, he will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar far, far rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. His flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. This is uh, quite an amazing story when you think that the nation of Israel is being plundered, if you will, by the nation of Syria. And uh, Syria has gone in and captured many captives, and among those captives was this little maid. And she was brought, and she was now a servant to the king of Naaman, or, uh, the, uh, to Naaman, uh, a captain of the, the king. But think about this, that Naaman got a healing, received a healing, because this little maid said that God could do it. I want you to think about this little maid for a, a, a little bit. She was little, she was young, she was a very young lady. She was probably in anywhere 13 years old, maybe 15 years old, maybe younger. The Bible doesn't say how old, but very, 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 very young. And she's taken captive out of her homeland. Uh, she's now in a culture where uh, she doesn't know the language. She doesn't know the customs. She doesn't know uh, who she's really serving. And she's placed totally out of her comfort zone. Totally out of the place where she was used to. She's a captive. She's a slave. Uh, living in this unfamiliar land. She couldn't speak the language. She worshipped the true God, not the God of the Syrians. And she waited on her master's wife. Did she have many advantages? <laughs> if you look at her, she, you would say, how could she have any effect upon the captain of the guard. Who would listen to a 12-year-old girl? <laughs> Amen? Who, who would listen to this uh, young girl that's just a slave girl? Uneducated. She doesn't have anything going for her. Why should I listen to her? And yet, Naaman got a healing because of this young lady. I want to show you a few things. She exhibited faith. Second Kings chapter 5 and verse 3 it says, And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him 
of his leprosy. She believed that her God, the God of Israel, was powerful enough to give this heathen captain a healing. She believed that God was a merciful God. Amen? A a good God. A kind God. A God that uh, was not... um, favorable to one person or to another person. She said, you know what? If he would go to see my God, he'd get a healing. That's an amazing amount of faith, amen? Isn't that what we do? Hey, go and see my God. He'll give you a healing, amen? He'll heal you of your sin disease. My God can do it. I know that you worship all these other gods. The Syrians had multitudes of gods. I know that you serve these gods, but my God can do the job. That's faith. She exhibited forgiveness. Think about this. She was torn from her family. No mother, no father, no brothers, no sisters. No aunts, no uncles anymore. No cousins. Uh, She was ripped from her family, the comfort of her home. No longer could she lean on her mother's breast. No longer could she say, hey dad. No longer could she have fun with her brothers and sisters. She's now in a totally foreign land. But she exhibited forgiveness. If she was bitter and twisted, I let that Naaman suffer with his stinking uh, leprosy. I don't care. I hope it eats him alive. But she wasn't like that. She said, you know what? My God can do something for you. And I want you to be healed. I want you to have that healing in your body. She exhibited forgiveness. She exhibited faithfulness. If she was not faithful to her mistress, she would have not been believed. Look in this. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 4. So here's the story. She's serving her mistress. And uh, in verse 3, she said to her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, the king. So someone overheard what the little maid had said to her mistress and went to the king of Syria and said, Hey, This little maid of the land of Israel said that Naaman could get a healing. Do you think she would have believed if she was not exhibiting faithfulness in her life? Do you think that one who overheard that would have run to his king, to his lord, and said, hey, uh, that little maid has got something to say. If that little maid swore, if that little maid uh, never took out the trash when she was supposed to take out the trash, 
uh, when she was lippy to her mistress, uh, when, when she just exhibited poor character traits, lack of integrity? Do you think that that one would have run to his king, to his lord, and said, hey, little maid? It would have fallen on deaf ears. The mistress wouldn't have believed it. That man wouldn't have believed it. The king wouldn't have believed it. But here we see the faithfulness of the little maid. She was faithful to her calling. Even though she was in a foreign land, without father, without mother, without her uh, support system that she had previously, she was totally out of her comfort zone, and yet she was faithful. Can't we be faithful in the areas that God has given us? In the little places where God's given us, the job that He's given us? You know, I'm sure all of us or many of us have had employers. (laughs) Amen? Are we faithful to our employers? When they say, I want you to do it this way, and you know it's... I'll give you an example. (laughs) I used to work in the aircraft industry. 20 years. Sheet metal. uh, C-130 Hertz. And we would work on the the flaps, and they were about 30 feet long, so probably about from that wall to that wall. And when we would work on them, we would put them in a jig to hold them up, to keep them secure, so they wouldn't bend... And we would take skin off or the metal off and we would fix everything underneath the ribs and so on. And one time we had taken some of the skin off and then my boss said, I want you to move that flap and put it over there. And we said, well, all the skin's off and and if we move it, we're going to do some damage. He says, well, just throw a few skins on there, a few pieces of metal and just move it. And we said, okay. And we put it, is that good? Yep. Uh, we said, you shouldn't move it, it's not enough. He said, move it. We said, okay. <laughs> Guess what happened? The spar is bent, creating way more damage. We knew that it would happen, but the boss said, do it. So what do we do? We do what the boss said. Amen? You know, we have to exhibit faithfulness where God has placed us. It may not be comfortable. It may not be fun. Young person, (laughs) there's lots of places where mom and dad say, do this, and you say, why? Just, what? Do it. You may not understand. You may not like it. You may not agree. But you do it, right? I believe the little maid was that kind of person. She exhibited faith in her God. She exhibited uh, forgiveness. She exhibited faithfulness where God had placed her. And she exhibited courage. She must have had courage to step out by faith to her captor and make such a bold statement. Think about that for a moment. Here is this young lady in this foreign land and she says, 
My God is better than your God. She's a slave. She has no rights. She has no leverage, if you will. And yet she said, My God is bigger than all of your gods. That took courage. That took courage to step out and say, Hey, my God can do it. My God is all-powerful. My God is all-merciful. Do we exhibit that same kind of courage? Or are we afraid to talk to people? Are we afraid to hand out gospel tracts? Are we fearful of stepping out of our comfort zone to be a witness for our all-powerful our God? We know the gods of this land, amen? They have no power. They're ineffective. Uh, do we exhibit courage to step out and say, my God is able. My God is able. Could God use you? Could God use you? Like he used this little maid. Amazing story of faith, forgiveness, courage. Let me give you a few thoughts on, on how to be that kind of young lady or that kind of young man. I have four thoughts all beginning with S. The first qualification of being used by God is to be saved. God cannot use an unsaved person for His holy work. God is interested in using saved people. Holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God used saved men and women to pen this scripture. Amen? You need to be saved. Are you saved tonight? If you were to uh, die right now, where would you spend eternity? Do you know for a Bible reason you have a home in heaven? Do you know for sure that when you knock on heaven's gate and Jesus says, why should I let you in? You'd say, because of the blood of Jesus Christ has paid my sin debt. If you say something other than that, well, I got baptized. Is that a baptismal tank? I kind of figured well, I got baptized. Look, it's even really deep. I, I was under there for five minutes. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll keep going. I could have told you a story anyway. Uh, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I've been doing good works all my life, helping little old ladies cross the street. I'm a good employer. I'm a good employee. We can say all these things, but none of those will get us to heaven. Amen? It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ and receiving what He's done on the cross of Calvary to pay for our sin debt. We need to be saved. Secondly, we need to be surrendered. David said, I delight to do Thy will, O my God. Yea, Thy law is within my heart. Do we delight to do the will of God? Are we have a surrendered spirit? When, when we are instructed to do something, are, are we the first one to say, okay, Lord, I'll do it? 
Don't we sing that song for our children? Obedience? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> They're starting to sing it. <laughs> Obedience is the very best way to show you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands. Doing it, what? Happily. Well, I'll take out the trash. <laughs> Surrendered is our attitude towards commands. A surrendered spirit is our attitude towards uh, those things that we don't like to do, if you will. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 verse, or 26, verse 38, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. He fell on his face and said, face and said, Oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. The Lord Himself had a surrendered spirit to the will of God for His life. He was surrendered to do that which was difficult. The Lord asks us to have that kind of spirit. Just to be surrendered to whatever He would have for us. Isaiah 6, verse 8 says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, well, i got a job. I can't leave my job. I've got a family. I can't go. I've got a family. Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. He said, Here I am. Here I am. I, I always picture Isaiah putting his hand up and saying, Here, over here, Lord, I'm here. <laughs> Pick me. See, he had a surrendered spirit. He didn't know what the Lord had for him, but he said, Here I am. And then sanctified. Second Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the Master's use, and prepared unto every good work. The Lord doesn't want to use a dirty vessel. The Lord doesn't want to use someone who is uh, filthy and dirty inside. Amen? We might clean up outside. Cameron looks good, doesn't he? Amen? <laughs> he sounds good when he sings too, doesn't he? But what is, what is he like on the inside? Bitter? Angry? I doubt it. But that's where it is. We can clean up the outside and look pretty good. Amen? But the Lord's not going to use an unholy vessel on the inside. Someone who's angry, lustful, jealous. He says, clean that up. Confess your sin. Deal with your sin. And when we deal with that inside stuff, and we're holy then God can use us. Again, holy men of old spake as they 
were moved by the Holy Ghost. First Peter 2.5 Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And then he says in uh, chapter 2, verse 9, But your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, notice what he says, I beseech you, I plead with you, I beg you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Peter was saying, I beg you to uh, purge yourself from all these things which are going to hinder you in your holiness. We must take our sins seriously. And not, well, that's just the way I am. That's just the way God made me. And sometimes we justify our sin. We justify our bad attitudes. That's that guy who just cut me off. Wait a minute. Who's my attitude to that guy who just cut me off? Amen. We need to purge ourselves. I think Brother Rick again said this morning, we need to put off the old man. Put on the new man. Where, where was that? Ephesians, right? 4.22 is what you said. Uh, that's right. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And notice in verse 23 it says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This old book, amen? That's how we renew our mind. With this book. Are you in the Bible? You cannot be a holy person without the Holy Bible. Do we read it every day? Do you, do you challenge yourself to get into this old book every day and let it change you? Last thought for you. We must look for places to serve our Lord. You know, when I first surrendered, I didn't know any of my talents or any of my spiritual gifts. But I said, here I am. Actually, my first real place of service was working with young people. I hadn't got a clue. I hadn't got a schmick of an idea what to do with the young people. But I said, Pastor, I'll do it. You know, sometimes we just need to go to the pastor and say, hey, Pastor... Do you need anything done? And I guarantee you the pastor will say, Oh, let me count the list. Amen. <laughs> but we look for places to serve. Charles Keene said, Need seen? 
assignment given. And that's a good good way of looking at it. You come into the building and you see something out of place, what do you do? You pick it up and you put it in place. Need seen, assignment given. We just get busy for the Lord. <laughs> My pastor asked me to lead songs. If you've heard me sing, you would say, Why? Don't you laugh. <laughs> My wife's laughing at me. I love to lead songs. I have fun song leading. But I can't sing. We're, we're uh, fellowshipping at Cornerstone Baptist in Edmonton and the uh, pastor asked me to lead singing. But I love to do it. You know what? It doesn't matter because I do it unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. And He's chosen the foolish things. <laughs> Amen? And we just do it. And we enjoy doing it. Amen? Amen? We just get busy doing something for the Lord. Clean toilets, sweep the floor, hand out gospel tracts, go on visitation with the pastor, lead singing, clean the pastor's car, clean... Mrs. Klein's car. Amen? Amen. (laughs) You can pat upon Amen. (laughs) But that's what the little maid did. I guarantee you, she looked for places to serve her mistress. God will lead you. Ezekiel says this, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge I stand, and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. Then he has four words. Saddest words in scripture, but I found none. Pretty sad, amen? He didn't look for a talented person. He didn't look for a good-looking person. He didn't look for a a rich person. He just said, I want someone to stand in the gap. Just someone to say, here I am. God, can you use me? God can use you. 1 Corinthians 126 says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. I think of the challenge of translation of Scripture. There are only 274, 274, 200, yeah, 274 languages that I know of that have a whole Bible out of more than 7,000. It's a daunting task. Amazing. But God can do it, amen? Bring to 
What does it say here? Things which are not bring to naught the things that are. So the reverse. God can do it, amen? God can do it. God can use you. Here in this local church in Castlegar, British Columbia, God can use you to do a great work. Are you willing to just say, here I am, and like the little maid, say, hey, God can do it. Lay aside the sin. The little maid did. She was not bitter, not angry. She forgave. She was faithful where she was. And God used her. Just think about that for a moment. There's this little maid over here from insignificant Israel. And she says there's a prophet over there that can heal your captain. And the king acted on the words of the little maid. Wow! That is amazing. That the king acted on this slave girl's words and Naaman, his captain, got a healing. Don't underestimate what God can do in your life and the few words that someone might overhear you say. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Pastor.